how much effort we put in to creating this podcast for them. I feel like sometimes people think this is thrown together. They think this is casual, but this is a lifestyle for us. I mean, on a normal episode, we not only have to watch upwards of, you know, 10 plus hours of content, but, you know, there's the note taking, there's the time spent in isolation, really reflecting. There's the... 90 minutes it takes to set up our recording. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Studio. Look, we're not audio engineers. We're just trying to do our best to give you the best possible show. We're not professionals. We're just gay. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, greetings to our girls, gays, and theys, and happy new year. We're so excited to be in 2021 with you. You know, we made it through the wilderness, a hellscape. We've entered into a new, fresh hell dimension. Correct. And, you know, we're going to be by your side for 2021. We're going to be with you. We're going to be holding your hand. I'm not deluding myself into thinking 2021 is going to be a better year. But I am so far committed to having a better attitude about it. And, you know, we, since we've arrived in Boston, in Boston, Jesus, where's my brain at? Since we are in 2018 (laughs) still, babe. (laughs) Since we have come back to our little crypt, Yumi and Anya, I feel like we've had, I don't know, pretty good time. We've been doing our daily yoga, you know. We've been doing yoga. I've gone back to college. I am finishing my degree. A lot of people are going to be really proud to hear that as they've been very disappointed in me for, you know, being a college dropout. I'm only that, that suggests, but um, I'm only happy and proud if you are. Yeah, I do expect 2021 to be better, only because we have adjusted to this new way of life. Right. Whereas 2020 was, it was all new, new suffering. Mm-hmm. Now it's suffering that we're accustomed to. Right. You know, suffering that's become the norm. It's <laughs> become part of our routine, and and we are we're gonna hit a year of essential lockdown that's soon. true that's true you know um i'm very close to hitting a year without um certain activities that i enjoy a certain activity in particular dancing right exactly yes that's <laughs> totally what i was referring to on that note i i do want to just have a moment of gratitude gratitude yes well mainly you know you and i we've been doing this podcast for i don't I'm not keeping track. I don't really know how long. You know, we started, we stopped, we came back. We have It was a it was since we revamped. Yeah. When we came back in 2019, it was a year in November. It's so exciting. Well, I just want to take a moment. I think at the end of the day you and I do this because we like each other. I don't know if people knew that. <laughs> we're bordering on obsessed and it's literally embarrassing because we've been friends for so long and I still just we're still just you know it's so fresh we're still in that honeymoon phase as much work as this podcast is and believe mm-hmm. you me 
it's work. <laughs> um, yeah. We enjoy it, but also just a thank you to friends, to family, to friends of family and friends of friends. You know, thank you for listening to what is sometimes a flaming hot mess. You know, for some people like Roberto and I, we really live for our fans. You know, it, it, the validation that you give us is currency. It's more valuable than money in this society. You know, I think a lot of people allude to Peter Pan syndrome, you know, men who never grow up, boys who never grow up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you and I suffer from Tinkerbell syndrome, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we need the applause. We need the I attention. I live for the applause. Is it dark in here? I'm just going to turn this light it off. It is kind of dark, yeah. Is that kind of butter? Oh, that's nice. Yeah, no, no, we, I, I mean, it just, it still touches my soul that actual friends of mine would take the time to listen to the podcast because I know that I talk a lot. I know the presence that I am in a room. I know how intense I am to be around and how much I am. So the fact that you would walk away from hanging out with me and then listen to a podcast uh, that I host, it is an act of self-sacrifice. So beautiful. So almost like martyrdom you know it just feels very saintly Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so i just want to thank the listeners and with that we have a very exciting beyond the grave coming at you so you know usually we sit here we talk about a show from maybe a decade ago um but not today today we look forward Mm -hmm. we look forward to all of the things that 2021 has to offer And all of the things that 2021 will destroy, (laughs) you know, all of the failures that we have to look forward to in entertainment. Before we jump in, can we just express our gratitude at at a show that just recently came back? Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. The show, the one, not the one, I'm sure there's others, right? But the one show that we have noticed has specifically chosen not to do a COVID season. And for that, I am so Thankful. I'm so fucking grateful that I don't have to see the characters of this like beloved, uplifting musical show go through a pandemic. It's heartwarming. It's genuinely funny. Mm-hmm. And I just can't recommend it enough. So what do you think as like your first pick for a show that you think probably isn't going to make it so to season I two? I want to start off on a bittersweet note. Mm-hmm. This is a show that I think will get canceled, but I, I genuinely do hope it proves me wrong. Mm-hmm. And I want to start with Resident Alien. Okay. This is an upcoming sci-fi comedy drama, um, and it's set to premiere January 27th on the Sci-Fi Channel. I haven't watched a ton of stuff off the Sci-Fi Channel. I've, I, there are a few shows. I've seen Caprica, which is a spinoff of something else that why I didn't watch. I feel like, why do I feel like I've also seen Caprica? It's fun. I don't, I couldn't tell you anything about it. It just seems so familiar. <laughs> um, You've watched other shit on the sci-fi the channel, Magicians, mm-hmm. The Magician. The Magician. I'm a fan of the Sharknado series. Okay. So, I love that for you. Uh, Resident Alien is based on a comic book of the same name. And it's going to follow an alien mm-hmm. who crashes onto Earth and he has to pose as a doctor while he waits, I guess, to be rescued. I wonder why he has to pose as one of the you know, most difficult to achieve jobs. One of the most respectable positions. Why can't he pose Well, as maybe like, as an alien, that is the bottom of the barrel. Perhaps. We don't know. 
Um, but the government's after him, and it stars Alan Tudyk. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it. Tudyk? I want to say Tudyk. But um, he's huge in the Whedonverse, the Joss okay. Whedonverse. You know, he was on Firefly, Dollhouse. Um, I haven't seen A Knight's Tale, but I know people love it, and he's on that. Oh, he plays um, the pilot in Firefly? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's adorable. I, I really like him. He's, I think he's a great actor. Does he play the alien? Yes. And the show also will have, has a few other people. I'm not, that I'm not too familiar with, but someone that I took note of is Linda Hamilton is set to reoccur. And she is of course from the Terminator, uh, Sarah Connor. I've never seen the Terminator movies, but I, I believe she's important in that saga. Let me watch this trailer and we're going to insert from the trailer the second zero through second 28. Mm-hmm. So you guys can experience a little moment of the trailer. Excuse me, sir. You Dr. Harry Vanderspiegel? What can I help you with? We had ourselves a murder in town last night. You're a doctor. We need you to come down and take a look at the body. Doctor. This is awesome. A good mystery, figuring out what happened. Like law and order. All right, look, that's one creepy some bitch. Y'all see that, right? Okay, so you haven't seen that trailer. That was my first time watching it. I... I didn't, I didn't know what you saw in it that was cancel worthy until I watched the trailer, and now I'm I'm catching I'm ca- I'm I'm catching the vibe. Well, sorry, I was stumbling with that. It, it seems overdone. Well, so you watch that trailer. It opens on kind of gorgeous scenery. You're like, yeah, you're immediately like this is so cinematic and i think that typically sci-fi doesn't get that rap. Yeah. It, you know, you think sci-fi, you think kind of like some questionable green screen work. You mean the sci-fi channel. The sci-fi channel, yes. Um but throughout the trailer i i found the humor to be to work for me. I don't know. I thought it was it looked interesting. It looked engaging. I think for people who enjoy procedurals, i think this has a really fun element to it. I don't hate it. It looks like something that I would watch and enjoy. I think Alan's performance, just judging off of the trailer. I mean, the first thing I noticed in that first clip was the voice he's doing. It's, it can seem kind of heavy handed, I guess, from a trailer. Right. But I see that he is trying to play this alien out of place in this human body. Right. It does look a bit funny. It looks amusing. And it does seem to be setting up that it's a murder mystery. Right. I, I mean, I think the humor works. I think the the mystery angle I'm intrigued by. I think it has potential for multiple seasons. I think, you know, this, the quirky community energy, you know, it has worked on, on many shows, Gilmore, Twin Peaks, you know, that vibe. To me, I think the main reason why I saw this and immediately, you know, shrugged was... I don't see it faring well on the sci-fi channel. I don't see the right people making their way to the sci-fi channel. You know what I mean? Like, I don't see it reaching the right audience. Because who do you think watches the sci-fi channel? I don't, like, you don't think that the same people that watch Magicians would watch this? Because Magicians is also kind of tongue-in-cheek. Right. It? Yeah. I don't hate the concept but it also seems like it could be something that would get old kind of quickly, especially with him being like out of place and not really understanding how to behave like a normal human. Mm-hmm. I could see that not being funny after like two or three episodes. Right. Like I could see that just losing its sparkle 
a little bit. And it does appear like the other side characters are like perhaps a little bit caricatured or like a little bit larger than life in a way that works really well on a sitcom, Mm -hmm. but might not work as effectively on a murder mystery procedural kind of situation. But then also it's like, maybe it will pop off like criminal minds. Yeah. I think I think of sci-fi from my experience with it as something that's really epic, that's really grand, that's really fast-paced. Whereas this seems like it might be lower key d- despite having an alien lead, right? Yeah, it seems more like lo- it's not it, actually a super duper heavily science fiction story. It's more of like a out of like person out of place. We'll see. I'm rooting for him. I mean, I like the actor a lot. I I Based based on this trailer, I, the performances, I, I like the cop, which is something, you know, you don't usually say. It's really hard for us to be endeared to piggies on screen. Right. For sure. But I I like the humor. Oh, and, um oh, I thought this was funny. So the show was developed by Chris Sheridan, who was one of the first writers on Family Guy. Oh, and, okay. And he, so it might and, actually be genuinely funny. Yeah. And he wrote from the first season all the way through season 11. Um, and it's being executive produced by David Dobkin, who did the Eurovision movie on Netflix. And if I'm not mistaken, he is, which this is, I find really amusing. He's directing, um, according to Wikipedia, an upcoming Maroon 5 documentary, which seems really out of left field. I mean, I won't be watching that, but um, <laughs> I'm happy for him that he's getting that, you know, that coin. I will say that those people make it seem like the it's going to be genuinely very funny. Is it an hour-long drama? As far as I know. It just seems to me like a show that would probably kill on FX, you know, like before Legion or something, or Mm. something like that. Yeah, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by the comedy element. That's probably the most generous we're going to be to any of these five shows. Correct. So I wanted to talk about a show which irritates me whenever the trailer comes on, on Hulu. Mm -hmm. And that is um, Call Your Mother. So Call Your Mother is a new ABC sitcom that actually, I think, premiered yesterday. Ooh. Which was January 13th when we're recording this. It's at 9.38.30 Central Time. So that's like a pretty good spot on Wednesdays. That's a pretty good time slot Mm -hmm. for a sitcom. So basically the concept is that it's a sitcom about a woman who is from Iowa and she has two adult children that live in Los Angeles and she's tired of them not calling her. So she moves to Los Angeles to be closer to them. So it's like a family sitcom about a single mother and her two adult children. Yeah. Let's watch the trailer real quick. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're going to put in starting at nine seconds in till the end of the trailer. I brought you socks and the toilet paper you like. Did you send it to my phone email or my iPad email? I'm not explaining the internet to you again. Mom, I haven't been kissed in five years. I thought you said you haven't had sex in four years. But I haven't been kissed in five. Kira Sedgwick stars in Call Your Mother, January 13th on ABC. It's from the creator of The New Adventures of Old Christine. Successful. Which was a very successful show. So that's promising. But, you know, sometimes you can't catch lightning in a bottle, like, more than once. Um, well, immediately that trailer plays and the interesting character is sherry shepherd not kira sedwick yeah it's like oh that woman's funny let's follow her as opposed to but isn't that so typical that the best friend role is like the funnier actor i mean no offense (laughs) to kira sedwick i think she's talented and funny i just don't 
this trailer to me genuinely is not funny. Well, you see this? No, there's there's not a single funny moment in this trailer to yeah. me either. It's interesting because I would not have gotten the premise based off. I, I, okay, single mom, two kids. I got that, right? But I feel like the what's supposed to be funny is that she is from Iowa and moves to LA. Like, why does it, like, I want the to see- The premise is unclear in the trailer. Yeah. I think that's why I put it as like a predicted to get canceled because I think that advertising is bad. I think the the trailer isn't good. The, the show could potentially be super funny, but I feel like if the promotional material isn't good, then who's going to watch it? Well, these kind of shows always interest me because I, I again, like- I can't think of a single person who is watching them. I was blown away when I found out that that show with Tim Allen, Last Man Standing, is still on. Well, there's a lot of people, you know, like suburban people, like parents, people in middle America, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, people love sitcoms. I love sitcoms. I just love the sitcoms that I love. There are so many, and it's a hard format, in my opinion, to get right. Yeah. This looks like a single camera laugh or no a a multi-cam mm-hmm. laugh trap track this show looks like a multi-camera laugh track yeah. vibe right so very traditional sitcom like friends right you know quote unquote shot in front of that studio audience with the laugh tracks telling you when it's funny blah 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 i think those kinds of sitcoms I mean, they have, they've stuck around, but it is a little bit of a dated vibe that it's like still happening. The two children, her adult children, one of them is Joey Bragg. I don't know who he is. He might be a newcomer. I'm excited for him. Hope this works out. (laughs) And then, wait. Oh, he's from Liv and Maddie. Is that a Disney show? Yes. Okay. So he's a Disney guy. So this is his first adult vehicle, I guess. And then the other kid, the daughter, is Rachel Sennett, or Sennott, who is, like, one of those Twitter comedian girls. She, you might recognize her from the video, it's LA. I don't have an eating disorder, but get one, bitch. That video, viral video. So she's, yeah, I mean, that's a great video. She's, I mean, I'm not, I don't. I don't want to speak ill of her. I don't love her Twitter content, right? I think her as an actress on a sitcom is probably a great place for her. I think she has comedic timing. And ultimately, if you're doing stand-up comedy in New York, having somewhat of success with that, have a couple viral videos and a, a popular Twitter account exactly what you would want is to get cast in a sitcom on ABC. I think this is great. I'm like happy for her that this is working out. So I don't know. It's nice to see like web comics and like other Gen Zers and millennials who are kind of getting famous off of the content that they make for the web. Right. Make their way onto TV and onto like more mainstream media. You would just hope that, again, based on that TV spot, like, I don't want to see her two kids walk in on her kissing a hot New Zealand guy. I want to see her go to Tenants of the Trees and, (laughs) you know, like, accidentally hook up with her daughter's ex. Like, that's that's the comedy. Her her entering their LA life, not them visiting her in 
the valley. But I also think that that kind of just shows our taste versus like, okay, what is the most marketable content? Because you and I want what's edgiest and what's most relevant to our lifestyle. But does the majority of American ABC viewers want that? Well, that to me is just the natural progression of the premise that is given to me, right? I think that this show will succeed for the same reason why I will forget it exists because it... It's just working for people that aren't us. (laughs) So we'll see. I mean... As much as I'm not, like, the biggest fan of Rachel Sennett, I I root for her on principle of... We want funny women to succeed. Yeah, funny women on Twitter getting jobs. Like, that's nice. Um, but this doesn't look like... It. It for me. I think she did a movie, to be honest. This is not her first acting job, but it certainly shows her making it to the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Happy for her. You know, I wish I could get one goddamn viral tweet. Well, we're working on it. For once in my fucking life. <laughs> you guys are doing nothing for me. <laughs> Just kidding. The next show I want to talk about. Right. Is Firefly Lane. Mm-hmm. Um, this looks like a show that on any ordinary day I would guzzle up. Right. But something about it, I'm excited to get your reaction. Something about this trailer. I have no idea what this is. You're about to find out. Let me, let's hit play and then we'll talk. Okay. And we're going to play for you guys the first nine seconds of the trailer. You're not alone. You'll never be alone. You are fucking stuck with me forever. (laughs) Give it to me. I am just... I'll, I'll be honest, I'm stoked for Katherine Heigl. <laughs> I want Katherine Heigl to stage a comeback. Right. Right? Has she done anything problematic that should make me not root for her? Because I just root for her. Well, her the main... So she's known as being difficult, right? To work with. To work with, which I think, unfortunately, a lot of women in the industry get, right? Get like, that criticism. Get that criticism. We don't know whether or not it's necessarily true. Well, um, she famously, during the season two run of Grey's Anatomy... Um, took herself out of the Emmy running. Like she, I think she was up for like best supporting actress for Grey's Anatomy. And she famously said like in an article that she feels that they should withdraw that, um, that, you know, the, the submission for her to be nominated because she didn't feel the writing warranted it, which is so (laughs) fucking disrespectful to Shonda Rhimes. It is incredibly disrespectful to Shonda Rhimes, but it is it's also hilarious. incredibly hilarious. And can I really be mad at her if that was truly her opinion? If she truly thought that she was playing a character which was written poorly, so much so that she didn't feel like she deserved to be nominated for an Emmy. I, I mean, at least she's being authentic. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm also, I, I respect Shonda Rhimes for the incredible feats that she's achieved in, in right. film and, and television. And I love crossroads and i love bridgerton Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, i mm -hmm. have greatly enjoyed you know certain seasons of scandal as well as how to get away with murder i genuinely cannot stand Grey's anatomy right i would never go so far as to say that it is bad because it has had such success and it is so beloved that it's obviously succeeding at something i watched season two of Grey's anatomy i did not think it was good and i did not like the way that katherine heigl's character was portrayed and what her character went through. I didn't like that storytelling. I mean, it's it's also just, 
I mean, it's insulting. Right. It's just insulting to Shonda Rhimes and the writers of Grey's Anatomy. It's, so, and it's very, it is a little bit diva behavior. So I understand how that would make her look. But you know what? That was ancient fucking history. Right. So once again, you know, it's been a long time. And I'm happy that Katherine Heigl is staging a comeback on Netflix. Right. Well, on that note, let's talk about this trailer. So the the show that we're talking about, I don't know if I said, was Netflix's Firefly Lane. And it's an upcoming drama based on the novel of the same name by Kristen Hanna. And it is set to premiere February 3rd. And it follows the story of Tully and Kate, who are two unlikely friends. Um, They meet as tweens in the 70s, and then it it follows them through the present, through three separate timelines. Them, you know, meeting as teens, them as in their 20s, maybe, and then currently, where there's, you know, present-day tragedy. Three timelines. Yes. I didn't get that from the trailer. It looked like it was only two. Like you said, well, because the, the, so it's them in the present, them, a teen, tween versions of them. And then I think that, you know, it's just them kind of with a glossy filter and wigs. Right. So Katherine Heigl is playing herself, her character twice, and then there's a teen playing her. Correct. Which seems like too many timelines. I agree. That's too much. I would, I would prefer just the tweens and then present day it's weird that there's three different timelines the, the show stars katherine heigl um like we said from Grey's anatomy you might have seen her in knocked up right or, she's in that you know 27 dresses or a hundred other rom-coms she was in that really did you see her lesbian movie with alexis bladell what it's boring oh i've seen the trailer for it and it did not look worthwhile to me yeah it also co-stars sarah chalk who is from scrubs roseanne how i met your mother none of these shows i've watched but comedian you know funny actress i read some of the book reviews and people compare it to beaches you know it's it's meant to be very sentimental some people hate it because they think the 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 characters aren't fully developed in the book. That's what I just read some reviews. Um, and the series is developed by Maggie Friedman, who executive produced Witches of East End and Eastwick, both of which are witch shows. One was canceled after one season, one was canceled after two seasons. So track record. But I do love a, an EP who seems to love Wiccan content. I love female friendship and female driven stories. Um, you know, we both love beaches. If this is done well, then I could see it being really well-liked. I imagine it being very sweet. But but hear me out. This is where I think the cancellation comes in. Yeah. I think that with the amount of things on Netflix competing for your eyes... Is it, this the one that they're going to pay to make season two of? It doesn't seem like it is... It, stands out enough for enough people to click on it. And it's apparently really hard for things to get renewed on Netflix. Exactly. So Firefly Lane, I feel like it's more about circumstance than it is about the content. But as for, I mean, the trailer, Katherine Heigl in that clip, it looks like she and and Sarah have really good chemistry. It looks, um, some of the filters seem a little intense to me, but otherwise, like... I didn't think it looked visually very good from the trailer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like anything 70s, but I don't know. It, it seemed like weird bad wigs and like overly lit. Right. Just things like that. I mean, for what it's worth, like I'm not going to watch it. Right. If it gets canceled after one season, I think this is not going to be a priority on our list of shows to cover of canceled shows. Mm-hmm. I don't see this making it onto our, right. onto our list. So this might be the, the first and last time we talk about it. 
But again, we wish Catherine, Sarah, and Maggie the best. The best. And we might talk about Maggie because we, you know, there were rumblings of us possibly doing Eastwick. Let's talk about Coyote. Which do we have to? (laughs) This is the one where we've both seen this trailer as well because it's been coming on on Hulu. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the first time it came on, we really did roll our eyes. Watching the trailer, it gave me the same, not fury, because it wasn't that. It didn't elicit that much of a response, right? Maybe if I was in a theater and had to watch the Coyote trailer over and over again, right? Like, But it, it reminded me of the trailer for The Mule. The Clint Eastwood movie, The Mule, (laughs) that really just sent me. I mean, the thing with this show, because it's about a border patrol agent. Mm -hmm. So it's gonna, it's Coyote premiered, premiered on the 7th. It just came out Mm -hmm. on CBS All Access. Uh, It was originally met for Paramount TV. 10 episodes. It's just CBS All All Access. Yeah. It's just a streaming show. But then it was truncated to six episodes on CBS All Access, created by David Graziano, who wrote on Felicity, a show I love, uh, and then worked on In Plain Sight, the other Netflix show, What If, which I also am obsessed with. Um, And it stars Michael Chiklis. Chiklis? How do you say his name? Michael Chiklis. Um, Primetime Emmy Award winner you know from the shield yeah he plays the thing in fantastic four he was an american horror story um yes and he plays a border patrol agent who is about to retire apparently uh even though he doesn't want to so it's like why uh he's about to retire and then inevitably Meets a young woman from Mexico who's pregnant, and then he realizes that she has, like, the same tattoo as his daughter, so he's like, oh, maybe, like, I should help you cross the border. And then he, a small cartel, starts blackmailing him. They threaten to kill his family if he doesn't start working for them. It just looks nauseatingly tone-deaf and offensive to me. Mm-hmm. No element of this is something that I root for. If it's his journey from, like, hardened Border Patrol agent to relatively open-minded white savior who helps one girl make it into America, like, if that's the storyline of the show, which it looks like that is, Mm -hmm. I want nothing to do with it. I just... I I mean, in what... I mean, maybe it just reflects where you and I are at politically. In what world do we need a show about a... Border Patrol agent. Right. Where it's about him and his family being put in danger by the Mexican cartel. It just seems... I read a really really funny... Really fucking rude to me. I read a funny review from Variety that was titled, um, Coyote, starring Michael Chiklis, is frustrating Border Patrol fan fiction. (laughs) Um, And for me, it's really... It's a double-edged sword of wanting members of the Latin community to get work. But of course, not wanting to see them play dangerous, violent cartel members. Um, but I was looking at the other cast members, the Latin ones. It's Juan Pablo Raba, who is from Narcos. And there was another um, great Mexican actress, like award-winning Mexican actress who's going to be in it. And it just, it makes me sad that like the it, these are the roles that are offered to them. And I think one immediate thing that I watched that I see in this trailer, right? It's like, 
Wouldn't it be more interesting if the lead was like a second, third generation Mexican descent man having to make like, you know, like that is just immediately a more nuanced show. I mean, 110%, that would be a better show. Right. 110%. Like, I don't want to watch Michael Chiklis in this show. This looks like... And in the trailer, you he's clearly a very talented man. And seeing him in the trailer, it's like, okay, this man is talented. Like, it does have Clint Eastwood energy. It has American Sniper energy. Right. It has... It looks pretty, too. The show looks really cinematic. Yeah. It has, like, you know, pro-cop energy. These are not energies that you and I like. Let's watch the trailer seconds 45 through one minute and 18 seconds. After 32 years of distinguished service at the United States Customs and Border Protection, the Ben Clement Joe! How does it lead your life? How well do you really know Ben? Ben's a good man. Down Mexico, I made a mistake with the wrong people. Family. We're all in danger. Ben, as a man who knows how to cross the border, I want you to work for me. But do as you're told, tell no one. <clears throat> and I promise you, your family will be safe. What's frustrating <laughs> is that in the show, he's a Border Patrol agent who's supposed to kind of like get his eyes open, like, right? Like things aren't black and white, they're gray. But yet the main villains still seem to be the Mexican cartel. I mean, the trailer, it makes it look like to me that it's just implying that he's being forced that he's spent 32 years keeping drugs out of the country and now all of a sudden he's fallen victim to the Mexican drug cartel right. and now he has to help you know drug traffickers enter the country because apparently those are the only people trying to get through the border but like, that along but then along the way he'll maybe realize he'll like, maybe meet a young girl right who's not a drug trafficker right you know the one in a million like it just seemed i i the only way that this could be in any way worthwhile to me is if it is somehow like a coming down hard as a critique against the border patrol agents mm-hmm. and the border in general that's the only way this is worthwhile to me. And for me, like, it's black and white. Like, I have no, I have no gray area for a show that's just, like, sympathetic about this Border Patrol agent. Like, it just, it, the whole thing just kind of, like, makes my skin crawl. I think what made me the most sad watching this, watching the trailer to the mule, is knowing that there's an audience for it. Like, knowing, yeah. despite it being, I, I will explain why I think it'll get canceled. It, again, comes down to circumstance, unfortunately, rather than the content. Well, the fact it, that it's already gone, gotten truncated down to six episodes. Right. It's already been shortened. It looks too big to renew in, in this COVID era. Yeah. And it looks expensive. It looks... And even though CBS All Access is... It's not free. I don't know why I was about to say it was free. Peacock is free. But CBS All Access is $5 a month. I don't see people going out of their way to spend $5 to see the show. Ultimately, I think, sums up why I think it'll get canceled. Uh, I mean, there's definitely an audience in America for this show. Knowing if it had been on CBS, on normal CBS, after fucking Blue Bloods or whatever, right? Like, I can just see this show succeeding in a way that bums me out. Yeah, I mean, it will appeal to great hordes of moderate and right-wing America. Right. For sure. I also think, like, 
in terms of Latin people being placed in this box, right? I think of a show like American Crime, my favorite show, not to be confused with American Crime Story by Ryan Murphy. Y'all know how I feel about him. <laughs> um, American Crime is, is a great show that puts people in these, like, in, in the stereotypical arenas that you see them in. It just navigates the discussion of race in such a graceful way and critiques people's perception. Handles stereotypes in, like, a dynamic way. Right. Like, just really interesting stuff. And that was a tangent about American crime. Anyway, that's, that's I mean, how I feel about Coyote. I mean, we would want to, after critiquing a show like Coyote, we would love to direct people toward an alternative representation of Latin people on television. Yeah. Well, and for that, I would I direct them towards Vita on Stars. Great show. I would direct them towards One Day at a Time, originally on Netflix. You can watch it on Pop TV or CBS. Hell, watch the fucking new Selena show. Like, I don't care. Right? Like, just like anything but a show where the hero is a white border patrol agent. Correct. All right, switching gears. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was heavy. <laughs> I'm really obsessed with this transition. Switching gears. We have to talk about. We have a, to end with. We have to end with a fever dream. We're going to paint you a picture. We're, Abby, on the 12th. When did I arrive? The 9th. Right. You pick me up from the airport. I pick Roberto up from the airport. Cornelia's in the backseat. We're driving in the car. We're having a serious conversation with Cornelia about something serious. All of a sudden, Roberto is taken out of his body with (laughs) shock and horror by a giant billboard with a person in a robot costume or perhaps a bird costume. I believe it was the mirror man. The disco ball man. The disco ball man. Um, Of course, what we're referring to is the masked dancer. You heard that right. Yes. Now, I want to address the masked singer because the masked singer is hugely successful and hugely beloved. And Roberto and I have never watched it. I am scared too because I know it would get sucked in. Yeah, it would get sucked in. Remember when we went through a phase where we were obsessed with the voice for like two weeks? Yeah, but that's so much. Yeah. So the thing with the masked singer is that it is hugely successful and beloved. And Roberto and I just don't have any firsthand experience understanding why. So we can't bring that experience into our judgment of the masked dancer. But But one kind of makes sense. I mean, one makes sense and one makes no sense, right? Masked singing, guessing who's singing makes sense. How are you supposed to guess who's dancing in a giant disco ball man slash exotic bird costume? Exotic bird, tulip. I don't know who the other ones are. A tulip head. The costumes are so creepy. Why is no one talking about how fucking creepy these costumes are? Why is no one talking about it? Right. How, are we all just desensitized? Are we all just inundated daily, you know, when we're doom scrolling through Twitter? Are we just so inundated with depressing, disturbing news media that we're so desensitized that we cannot see that the costumes on the mass dancer are unbelievably disturbing? Maybe it's like a Teletubby effect, you know, us, <laughs> us reverting back to... The thing that we felt comforted by as children. It's just beyond like a furry costume. Because, you know, (laughs) furry costumes, if you're not a furry, they're unsettling, right? I find them unsettling, but obviously some people find them erotic to each their own. You know, no harm, no foul. These costumes are like beyond beyond that. If there's just something chilling about it, I respect it. I respect how absurd and chilling it is. Right. But I'm also uncomfortable with it. We have to play the trailer. We have to play the trailer and we're going to play for you guys 
20 seconds through 48 seconds. This is not just a dance show. It's not just a competition show. It's a musical mystery show. Singing isn't allowed, but shaking your rump is mandatory. We have to guess who they are based off of the clue packages. You really notice how somebody walks, how they carry themselves. You have a very powerful stance. You click your heels three times. A lot of gymnastic balance. This is someone who's a <laughs> there's there's something just like inexplicable about these people. So it's hosted by Craig Robinson, who I really like. He's super funny. And then the panelists are Ken Jong. He's really funny. I am a huge fan of his. Um other panelists, Paula Abdul. I love that Paula Abdul has made a career out of judging reality competition shows. Mm-hmm. I have nothing but respect for Paula Abdul's career. And then Brian Austin Green, who to me is only Megan Fox's ex-husband. But to other people, (laughs) he is one of the core cast members of the legendary, iconic Beverly Hills 90210. I'm curious on if he has any dance background or what... Well, I guess the show isn't really about dancing. Well, I think with him and with other judge, Ashley Tisdale. Right. Right. I I think it's about reaching an audience. I think Mm -hmm. it's about people who grew up on 90210, who grew up on... Let's get them to watch this. I want to see these people. Yeah. I'm excited about Ashley Tisdale. I'm perplexed by this show because it does appear to be filmed in front of a giant audience, which means it had to have been filmed... A year ago? Yeah, I don't know about the timeline. I just don't know how they could have filmed this during COVID. It just seems like something that must have been filmed a really long time ago with this giant audience. Unless it's a small audience and they're tricking us. The the show goes to great lengths to conceal these celebrities. I think there's like a bunch of car, like, like car double situations. Like, I remember an article and it was a crazy in-depth process to how the celebrity gets to the studio from their home. I mean, it blows my mind. This is a lot of fanfare. I read a tweet that people are thinking that Monica Lewinsky and Carly Kloss are, you know, some of the possible... This show premiered already. I think it also premiered, like, in the past week, I think. And the first performer may have been either Monica Lewinsky or Carly Kloss. Do they get... Does it get revealed every episode? Yeah, I think when I think each episode, one of the creatures. Yeah, I don't know what these clue packages entail. I mean, I love the idea that one clue package could suggest Carly Kloss or Monica Lewinsky. That's very funny to me. Right. That's very topical to me. It just shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. It should not exist. But maybe we're missing something. But there's something about it that persists. I mean, the masked singer I thought was a terrible idea. And I was absolutely incorrect because it is so beloved and has all this mystery around it. People love it. I mean, they so really then know. why do you think it'll the, the masked dancer will get canceled? I think simply because it is dancing and not singing, right? And it just doesn't make sense to guess a dancer, a random celebrity dancer in a costume as opposed to a singer. It just doesn't make as much sense to me. Similar to you know ABC trying to franchise Dancing with the Stars to. Skating with the stars or Splash or whatever. Swimming with the stars? It was, I think it was called Splash, but it was them diving. 
like Olympic diving. <laughs> it was Kendra, you know, Kendra the bunny in all her reality shows. Yeah. It was her like being scared to like dive. That's so funny. But both of those got canceled after I mean, one season because I do think not everything has to be franchised. Right. Just because the masked singer is so successful does not mean that they need to make a spin-off. But I could be wrong because it might be like um lip sync battles. Right. Where the performance is just so fun to watch, so enjoyable to watch, you know, the lights, the the colors, the dancing, the the fireworks, the spectacular right. visuals. You know, people might just love watching the dancing performances and maybe guess the you know, guessing the mystery celebrity. I think is that's secondary. Another thing in terms of shows like Coyote or like Call Your Mother. I think that right now, like we crave to just really escape. Mm-hmm. Like we, cra- I think like there's there's a bigger interest in kind of higher concept, more extra. Like Bridgerton is such a huge fucking success, and it's because yes, turn off my brain. Let's go back in history, but not the real history. It came at the right time. Right. Let's go back to a world inexplicably without racism, <laughs> where. We just get to watch beautiful people have sex, have silly problems to violin, a violin rendition of yeah. Taylor Swift. Yeah. It, it, it's tapping into the animal brain. Bright <laughs> colors, floral dresses, oral sex. Which is how I could see the masked dancer succeeding <laughs> kind of just in this like. Right. The animal brain. Take me away. Prom had that effect too. Yeah. Right. I didn't like prom, but the first hour, it didn't matter whether I was disgusted by James Corden or not because it, there were so many colors and sparkles that yeah. literally, like, I was in a different dimension. I mean, everyone listening to this podcast knows that Roberto and I are, you know, the first that the furthest thing from media elitists. We are not highbrow no. with the media that we consume. We are lowbrow. We like to be titillated. Well, I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about this, you know, Growing up, these were like the 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 lowbrow reality TV shows is what where I went, right? Like as a kid, like that's what I found comfort in. Right. And then I went to film school. Right. And I was suddenly made to feel like the things that had brought me so much joy and comfort and made up most of my personality was trashy and wrong and tired. Yeah. And also as a writer, right? Like I'm I'm aware of these things, so I strive to write something that most of people will hopefully deem to be quote unquote good i don't want to watch anymore i don't want to think i want to watch 28 year old professional ballet dancers who cannot act be on a netflix teen drama where all they do is have sex are you talking about tiny pretty things i'm talking about tiny pretty things i just want to move away from I, i was going to ask you if what shows that recently come out that you hope do continue. For me, one of them is Tiny Pretty Things because <laughs> it's literally, it was like taking a shot. Yeah. That's what that show and, feels like. And we will be the first to admit that the acting in that show is unacceptably bad. Who cares? I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Look, I can get down with some Criterion collection, okay? I fucking went to film school, okay? I know what an art film is. Don't try and call my house ignorant. But I know what I like. (laughs) I know what titillates the soul, okay? I know what shoots off the chemicals in my frontal lobe. And sometimes it's just pretty people 
dancing in pretty outfits and having sex. I don't want subtext with I a don't murder want nuance. Right. <laughs> well, especially now, especially now, it's like life is so fucking nuanced and so fucking horrible. You know, you have something like Bridgerton where, you know, I had a compelling mystery, good acting in it. But are people showing up for the mystery and the acting and the in the storytelling? Is that why people are clicking on it? No. no, they're clicking on it for 15 minutes of beautiful people having sex to a violin rendition of Wildest Dreams by Taylor Swift. Oh right? God! They're they're clicking on it to watch corsets get unlaced. That's why they're watching it. And you can dupe yourself into you know trying to claim that you're watching it for an intellectual reason. You're not. If it comes down to it, if the options are you know award winning serious drama, The Sopranos, mm-hmm. or Sign Seal Delivered. <laughs> Look. I know some of y'all would be watching The Sopranos and I have nothing but respect for you. You know, I've had Succession recommended to me a hundred times over. I know it's an excellent show. I know it's an amazing show. I know the acting is incredible. Okay. I've watched it. I wanted to watch something else while I was sitting there. Okay. I wanted to be watching Buffy. I wanted to be watching The Witcher. The Witcher. (laughs) You know, I I just, I'm not going to be made to be ashamed. So let's just all take a deep breath. Deep breath. And I'm saying that for myself because I'm getting a little overexcited. Yes. Let's so. open our hands, open our hearts to what's to come. So, yeah, um, follow us on Twitter. <laughs> follow us on Instagram. Um, follow us on Letterboxd. Follow if us you on want to see the, the movies that we watch. Content. Yeah, the incredible five-star movies we watch. You know, follow us on TikTok. Um <laughs> We were working on one just right before we started recording. Yeah, we're content creators. Um, <laughs> so if you like our content, consume it and we'll keep creating it. You know, maybe we'll come up with new stuff this year, like YouTube or... Um, you want to start a YouTube channel? I mean, I would rather throw myself into a bucket of curdled milk right, and then have to drink my way out. So to finish us off, we have a very exciting episode with Cornelia coming out, I think in a few days. Which we did record like back in November. But we've had so many technical difficulties. Well, both of our laptops broke. Correct. So we had to put it on hold, but it's coming soon. So hold your breath, literally hold it. Just kidding. We've got a lot more new old shows for you. Guess. We have a crazy, sexy, beautiful lineup lineup for 2021 stream chemtrails over the (laughs) country club and we'll see you all next week exo